So tonight's Bible verse is from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. It's on page 951 of the Pew Bibles. Paul's Paul's chains advance the gospel. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supporting that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motivations or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. We have commenced uh, our journey through this beautiful book of Philippians. So each week we're going to look at uh, a different portion of that and tonight we're coming to the passage that Ella just read for us. This is the way it starts. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What has happened to Paul? Well, it depends on which prison he's writing from, but many commentators think that he's writing from a prison in Rome, and if that's the case, then this is what's happened to Paul. Paul uh, has received a prophecy from Agabus and other people that if he goes to Jerusalem, that he's going to be bound and handed over to the Gentiles and suffer greatly. And people are pleading with him, please don't go to Jerusalem. And he says... Of course I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm ready to die for my faith in Christ. Why are you breaking my heart? And so he presses on and he gets to Jerusalem. Almost as soon as he gets there, he gets wrongly accused of something he didn't do. And this massive mob takes hold of him. And here they are beating him to death. In fact, that's their intention, to beat him to death. And uh, except that... uh, some soldiers come and intervene, uh, he would have been killed. He gets hauled up um, before the high priest and the high priest has him struck in the mouth. Um, A group of men, of 40 men, take an oath and this is their oath, that they're not going to eat or drink until they kill Paul. 
That's their oath. But their plot is foiled and he gets um, hauled up in front of Felix, uh, one of the governors, to stand trial. And then he gets hauled up in front of Festus and then he gets hauled up in front of Agrippa, in a sense. And Agrippa says... Um, if this guy had not appealed to Caesar, he should have been let go because he hasn't really done anything wrong. Nevertheless, because he's appealed to Caesar, he sails for Rome, gets on this ship, and uh, this most terrible storm uh, overcomes the ship, and it's actually shipwrecked. Um, so terrible is the storm that some of the people on board haven't eaten for 14 days, and the shipwreck happens, He's, they find themselves on the island of Malta, um, and then eventually, over time, uh, after s- some rescue, they sail um, and they, f- they eventually get to, to Rome. He arrives in Rome, uh, the great city of Rome, he arrives there as a criminal. And um, he's chained and he's put into house arrest. Possibly um, chained to a guard, uh, but certainly with a guard uh, overlooking him. And now he's writing a letter to the Philippians. And he says, Philippians that are a thousand or more kilometres away. And he says to them, I want you to know something. I want you to know that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. All this suffering, all this attack, all these people trying to um, shut me down, it's actually served to advance the gospel. When you think of that word serve, if, 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 some, if, something, if someone's a servant, they just do the bidding of the master. And what Paul is saying is all these terrible things, all these bad things that have happened, they have been servants of the gospel because people have been trying to shut me down they've been trying to stop the message but the more they do the more the message of Christ has been spreading when I was a little kid um, we used to have fires would burn off on the farm or whatever and we would have bushfires or something and my dad would give me a bag often it was a wet bag uh, like a hessian bag in those days and you were to hit the fire with Um, the bag to try and put the fire out but if you didn't know what you're doing which I didn't the more I hit the fire it would spread the chaff and the fire would spread and I it was counterproductive I thought I was trying to put the fire out but it was spreading and it's similar something similar here that um, everyone was trying to shut Paul down shut the gospel down (laughs) shut the message down but the more they did the more the fire of the gospel spread and what Paul is saying I want you to know that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel so he's basically saying Philippians I want your hearts to be encouraged 
Don't, don't, Philippians, don't think of the great Apostle Paul. He's the Apostle, you know. He's, he's chosen by God, um, appointed by God as the Apostle to the Gentiles. And, and some people might say, well, he's fallen into the hands of human beings and now they're just going to totally shut him down and, and now human beings are in control. And Paul is saying, don't think like that. My chains, my imprisonment and my impending death possibly, that's, it's serving the purpose of Christ. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I want you to remember me in my chains and I want you to think about how sore my arms are and how terrible my conditions are and how cold it is here and how miserable I am and would you please get me out of here. That's not what he says. What he says is that my suffering, these terrible attacks that I've been experiencing, God is in control. Whatever whatever comes, whatever is thrown at me, God is accomplishing his purpose. So be encouraged, Philippians. Yes, I'm in chains. Yes, I'm in prison. Yes, things are difficult in every kind of way. But I want you to know that God is accomplishing his great purpose. In verse um, 13, it actually starts to give some details about what he means. So first of all, it says, as a result, in fer- as a result it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Paul says, as a result um, of what's happened to me, it's become clear to the whole palace guard. The, the palace guard, this imperial guard, was a, a specially selected band of, of troops. They were paid double because they were the imperial palace guard. And probably they took it in turns to guard Paul. So here's Paul, chain, and then one guard comes in and takes um, his... Um, turn in, in, in making sure the prisoner doesn't escape and then he's rostered off and another guard comes in. I imagine this conversation, the guard coming in and here's Paul, chain, criminal, and the guard coming in and saying, what are you in prison for? And Paul saying, Well, I wonder what you would say. But Paul saying maybe something like, well, I'm here because I believe that the, that which was promised to Israel for centuries, the great hope that we've all been looking forward to, has been fulfilled. It's happened. And the God saying, you what? What are you saying? And, and Paul's saying, well, I believe that God, after many, many centuries, has powerfully, powerfully, we, we, we were looking forward to the Messiah and we believe that, that he's come. And the God's saying, what are you talking about? What, what, are, you, what are you in prison for? And, and for Paul to say something like, well... There was a man, Jesus, 
And he was the son of God. He was God's appointed man. He was the one that was promised for a long, long time. And, and he was powerful in word and deed. And he, they crucified him on a Roman cross. And he just died for our sins. But because he was the son of God, God raised him from the dead. And now he's alive and he's ruling. And he's offering salvation to the world. Because of his death and his rising, he's the king, I tell you. And he's going to come back to judge. And I imagine the guard saying, Wow. They've locked you up. They've put you in chains because of your belief in the fulfillment of all that God had promised. They must really think that you're onto something. If if they've locked you up for that. Notice that Paul is saying, look, Philippians, my chains have given me um, um, a means by which I can tell everyone about Jesus. It gives me the opportunity for them to hear a message that if they hear it, they'll receive life. Do you know Paul was not so concerned with the effect that his suffering was having on him? He was more concerned with the effect that his suffering were having on others. Because those guards must have known. They must have known that all, all Paul has to do is say, no, I deny it all and I don't believe any of that stuff. And, and he will walk scot-free. He can just be totally free. But he hangs on to it. He's just got this, just no, it is, it is the truth. It is my life. It is the thing that I will never, ever let go. And, and, and they say, wow, you're holding fast to this message. Even though death is hanging over you, you're... you're, 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 you're Paul is not in, in prison and saying, oh, poor me. God, why have you forgotten me? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, you're at work. You're at work in my life. The second thing in which Paul is saying that, that, that his suffering and his chains have actually come to serve the gospel is in verse 14. Listen to what it says. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So so Paul is saying these brothers and sisters, probably those ones outside um, his prison, somewhere in the the city of Rome, I've got this boldness about them now. You might have thought it would work the other way. You might have thought that they would say, Paul is so bold, he's taken so many risks, he's been so clear about Christ that it's it's landed him in some really hot water. He's chained now as a criminal, he's in jail and he's suffering and I just do not want to happen to me what's happened to him. So I'm just going to go into hiding. I'm just going to keep a low profile. I'm not going to mention that I love Christ. I'm not going to mention that I love Jesus. But it doesn't work like that. 
It says here that because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. In other words, this is the way I think it's happening. They've, they've, they've looked at Paul and they've seen that here he is suffering like a criminal and they've seen his boldness and they've seen his joy and they've seen his confidence and they've seen his courage and they've said, yes, yes, We have been touched by the Lord too. We know that it's true. And here is an example of someone that nothing can hold him down. And even suffering and hardship and pain, it's not going to quieten him. And we want to be like that too. And they say, we've got confidence. And they dare, they dare, they dare all the more to speak about the gospel of Christ. Paul is an example that emboldens them. And so the church becomes on fire. There's like a renewal in the church. There's this courage that comes. There's this flame that's just burning in the, Philipp- in the Roman church. Why? Because they've got an example right before their eyes of someone when great suffering comes, they are not in any way afraid, but they are bold. And so the church, it seems like, comes aflame. Did you know there is a difference between um, the joy that we have when we get lots of comforts and we've got lots of pleasures? You know when you've got the latest comfort and you've got the latest um, pleasure? There's a kind of happiness that that brings. But there's a difference between that kind of joy and the joy that Paul has in suffering. Because there is joy there. Because right at the end of, the, 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 of this passage it says, because of this I rejoice. This joy. And so Paul has this courage and joy and delight in the midst of, of suffering. And, and it's when the, when the world looks at him and says, that's weird. I mean, that is really, really weird. Where is your joy coming from? You've only got suffering. You've only got pain. You've only got hardship. You've only got difficulty. You've got, you've got threat and everyone's against you. Where, you are weird. Where is your joy coming from? Where is your courage coming from? Where is your love coming from? And Paul's able to say, it doesn't come from this world. It doesn't grow up out of the soil of this world. I've got a joy that's a true joy that comes from heaven that can never ever be quenched and that can never ever be stolen and that can never ever be ruined. All the joys of this world will perish. They will prove that they're false in the end. If not false, then impermanent in the end. But there is a joy. There is a hope. There is a delight that comes from heaven that's an imperishable joy. Just as those believers saw saw Paul um, and they... They were more confident in the Lord and they dared 
more and more to speak about Christ. I think we should too. When I think about myself, I think the biggest fear that I have is actually not that I'm going to be in jail or beaten up or it's that I will be rejected, that someone won't accept me, that someone will laugh at me, that someone will be against me and oppose me because of my faith in Christ. And so at work or at home or at school or at university or with friends or down the street, there is a temptation um, not to speak. And we think, no, no, I'll go into self-preservation mode because I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer rejection. I'll stay silent. But the mark of true Christian faith is that we are prepared to suffer for our Saviour, for our Lord. <laughs> that, that, he, that, that he is a, a greater treasure, that he is a greater delight, that he is a more strong and beautiful, permanent Lord. And he trumps every other thing in this world. Do you know that I reckon, even through our suffering, that God can use us um, to spread the message, beautiful message, the life-giving message of Christ? The last thing here is verse 15 and following. Paul says, It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. I don't actually think I fully understand what's going on in this passage entirely because Paul is saying, there's some people out there, I'm in chains and I'm here under my house arrest, I'm in chains. There's some people out there that are preaching Christ uh, out of goodwill and good motives, knowing that I'm here suffering but... But there's others out there that are preaching Christ with false motives. They're trying to stir up trouble for me. They're, 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 it's out of selfish ambition that they're preaching Christ. Now, I'm not sure how all that works, but this is what I want us to focus on. Paul says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. So if you open a little window into Paul's heart, and you say, Paul, what, what, what matters to you? What matters to you? And you have a look. This is what matters to him. 
that Christ is preached. <laughs> that the glory of God in Christ is seen. That, that the message of salvation in Christ, the one who died, um, the one who rose in power, that that is preached and proclaimed. And this is central to his heart. It, Paul doesn't lie in prison and say, oh, there's some people that are preaching, they're trying to stir up trouble for me and poor old me. Um, and why are the people divided? That's not his focus. His focus is the glory of Christ, the King, the glorious one, the one who's died and risen and is ruling in tremendous power and that people would know, that people would receive the love that Christ is offering, that they would receive salvation. That's just so much on his, on his front burner. I've been thinking about the coronavirus, as probably you have as well. Do you know um, the coronavirus or any virus, um, it starts with one human being and it spreads to another to bring suffering and sickness and possible death. Spreading, spreading, spreading. But the gospel, the message of Christ spreads. It's opposite to the coronavirus. It, brings, it spreads and brings life and healing and hope and, and dominating every evil power as, as our hearts are, are, are touched by the gospel. It, it gives us life and it's spreading. And, and Paul is just saying, I just want this message, the life-giving message of Christ to spread, that it might come with such tremendous power to bring life, bring people out of darkness, bring them out of blindness, bring them out of bondage, and just bring them, set their hearts and lives free. And that's what's on my mind. Through all this, Paul is actually not interested in, in saying, oh, I want you to know all about my own suffering and all my own troubles. He's saying, look, Christians, sufferings come in this world. They can be terribly painful and hard. There's some in this room tonight, there's sufferings in your life. But as you trust yourself to God and you rest yourself in Christ, even your sufferings can be used by God for hope and for blessing. And your life, even in the midst of your suffering, can be used as a blessing to others. In fact, it's sometimes in our weakness, it's sometimes in our pain, it's sometimes in our deepest, deepest trouble. That when we are trusting in the Lord, God's beauty shines through us for others to know that there's hope in God. So please, if you're here tonight and you feel weak and you feel broken and you feel great, great suffering, I want you to know a phenomenal truth. That God is the one that when as you trust in him he shines through your pain 
and through your hardship and through your disappointment to show his greatness and goodness so that others might know him. He is our treasure and he is our hope. Let me pray with you. Lord, I want to pray with uh, these brothers and sisters and friends that have been gathered here tonight. And I'm asking that, um, that we would look on Paul's chains and be encouraged that uh, you are still purposing your sovereign purpose in the world and nothing can shut you down in the end, Lord. Uh, you, will, you will accomplish uh, all that you've purposed in Christ. And Lord, we want to have hearts that uh, trust you, uh, that f- follow you, Lord, uh, and that take you as our great hope and, and Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.